You all ready to join me today in our trip to outer space? Yeah. Albert Shivers. The Matrix doesn't happen. That's very true. Come along quietly or not. They don't have to like it, but they're going to see what happens. Goodbye, wimps. And now, without further ado, from Albert Shivers. The general concept is that creativity flourishes in in an atmosphere of freedom. Hello folks, this is Albert Shivers, and I am coming to you with another episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. On this episode, it is musician, singer, and songwriter Casey Raniero. Casey and I had a fantastic conversation that I am going to spread over a couple of episodes just so you can get it in the best way possible. I don't want to just bombard you with long two, two and a half hour episodes. I want you to have the time to listen and check it out. Before we get to Casey though, just want to do a couple of little news items for you. First of all, I talked about them last week on the podcast, but family of the pod, Isaac Wilson and his band Pow Wow will be playing Froggy Days. That will last from May 12th to the 15th this year in Narrisburg, New York. Narrisburg is a beautiful town, upstate New York. Uh, Very popular for its bald eagle population. My mother was a photographer up in Narrisburg later in her life. And she got a lot of amazing photographs of eagles and wildlife up there. So I've never been there for a festival I imagine it's going to be great. It is on some kind of a campground. You can find all that information out on Facebook and on the internet. If you just look up Froggy Days, and that's Froggy and then D-A-Z-E, as in dazed and confused, which you most likely will be if you're camping out for the whole festival. Pow Wow is playing on Saturday at 1 p.m., and there are... 30 more other bands that will be playing as well. There's definitely be some music there for you. Also, more powwow news. They will be playing the Pine Ridge Fest from June 10th to the 12th. I'm not sure exactly what day powwow will be playing, but might as well check out the whole festival. You can find out more information on that at www.common-flame.com slash pineridgefest. Powwow is a great band. Like I said last time, I've heard their music, um, know most of the members, and Isaac's my buddy, so go check out that stuff. Also, go check out the Lizzie Borden shop where you can find some of my newest artwork commissioned on and about Lizzie Borden as well as the artwork of a bunch of other talented artists, many of us. Staten Island natives, so that's really cool. Represent the island, and you could go to lizzybordenshop.com to find that artwork and tchotchkes with Lizzie Borden on them. If you're into Lizzie, this is the place to go. And even if you've got a little serial killer proclivity, go check out the Lizzie Borden shop. You might find something cool. One of my pieces of art was put on a cutting board. And if you don't know the whole story, Lizzie Borden hacked some people up, so I've Cutting board's pretty um, pretty fitting. Lastly, next episode, which will be coming out soon, will be another episode where you get me all to yourself. 
It will be entitled Racing Saves My Life. And if you think that that's an exaggeration or me just trying to get you in the door and put asses in the seats, you will be surprised at how true that statement is. Um, I went to a lot of detail blocking out this episode to tell it just the right way and make it interesting and entertaining. And I urge you all to check it out. It's it's a very big window into who I am and what the deal is and how racing in general, not just one form, has been a constant string through my life and has helped me when times were really rough. In the meantime, you can check out everything else I'm up to on Instagram at Albert Shivers and at www.albertshivers.com. I have a new art show coming up this weekend at the Gamut Art Gallery. Six of my newest pieces will be on display, as well as the pieces of some other fantastic artists. With all that said, let's get right to this episode with Casey. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, and you can find more of what Casey's doing. She's always performing somewhere, and you don't want to miss it. So get your updates on her Instagram page, which is at Casey Raniero. Now I'm going to spell it all out for you so there's no trouble. That is at K dot C underscore R-A-N-I-E-R-O. At Casey underscore Raniero. Check her out. Check out her music. And hear what she has to say on this episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll catch you on the other side of the conversation. Enjoy. Tired of having headache pain, nausea, heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, diarrhea? Try new Pepto-Bismol chewables made in grape, peanut butter, and cherry flavor for family and kids alike. That's right, David. And all this and more can be found at a low price at your local pharmacy. For our southern guests, keep a lookout for the new brand, Peppy Bismilk. Must be 18 years or older. The purchase has a parent before overdosing. Do not take if pregnant with triplets. You are listening to the first station on your dot. WCNW operating on a frequency of 1,500 kilocycles in Brooklyn, New York. I am joined today by Casey Ranero, who is a very talented pianist, vocalist, and songwriter, and a little bit of a visual artist, too. Thank you so much for coming on the show and doing it. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah. And for the nice intro- introduction. Oh, cool. you're welcome. No, um, I seen you play first at the Old Mill Pub. Okay. Which is a, was a really awesome place. Yeah. Um, and still is. And really was impressed by your talent, both on the keyboard and in just del- delivering a song. Thank you. You know, I think that there's stages of of being able to be on stage and to be able to deliver and put out what you want to. And um, I think you really have achieved that in just the few times that I've seen you. Thank you. No, you're welcome. I especially appreciate the comment about my piano playing because I didn't think of myself as a pianist until like two years ago. Okay. Um, because I um, started playing the piano just to be taken seriously. Um, 
when I was 16 and I started writing songs, I just mm -hmm. realized, like, you have to play an instrument um, yeah. if you're going to be a songwriter. And I had a piano in my house. So I just taught myself, like, a few pop songs to know the basic chords um, and kind of considered myself a hack pianist but a real vocalist okay. for years. And I think that was the case for years. Mm -hmm. um, but you hack anything long enough and it does become real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you start writing songs first? What what came first in your music? Um, so I, what really came first was I started doing musical theater as a kid. Okay. Um, and I loved singing and being on stage. And to this day, I strongly, strongly prefer performing to being in the studio or writing or anything else. Um, and I, my introduction to music was piano lessons in third grade but I hated the structure okay. and I quit <laughs> and then I played the clarinet in marching band for many years and mm -hmm. I then got recruited to jazz band and I played the trombone um, and so for a long long time that was the reference point and the lens through which I thought about music was like marching in jazz band and wind and brass um, but then I think the shift as a singer to like being a, a songwriter and like a pop artist as opposed to a musical theater person was um, when I was in eighth grade, I started taking voice lessons. And so I'm classically trained and that's why I sound like an opera singer despite being a pop singer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, um, But the culture of musical theater and classical and opera was very 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 showy yeah. and rather than artistic and I do prefer like being on stage is like like I know a lot of artists that don't like being on stage like mm -hmm. they just want to be in the studio um and I'm not like that but I'm also not a showy person like I like being on stage because it's fun, because I like to feed off the energy, but not because I want to like be seen. I'm indifferent about that. Mm -hmm. um, so just naturally, I started to feel more at home around people that were artistic, but more on the creative side rather than the performance side. Mm -hmm. And so it just was very natural for me to be like, oh, like I have all these friends that play instruments and cover songs mm -hmm. and do it in groups as like a social thing rather than a competitive thing because right. like theater is competitive and so then it was just like a natural progression like oh I'm gonna write songs and then naturally they came out as pop songs because that's what I listened to yeah. um and I had a piano in my house and I had a bit of recollection about how to play it. So I just, it just happened that way. Um, but for a long time I was resentful because I really, really, like resentful at myself for playing the piano because I really wished that I played the guitar. Okay. But it just didn't happen that way. Mm -hmm. So it really just happened like the way it did. If I were able to have curated it, I would have curated my sound differently but I didn't choose my sound it just happened mm -hmm. well, oftentimes that's how it is yeah and it's funny because I feel the exact opposite 
in which I learned to play the guitar and really would have preferred, which is never too late, yeah. but would have preferred to learn the piano. That's interesting. Yeah. And I absolutely, like, completely, <laughs> I yeah. stand by that. Because all my, a lot of my favorite music is piano based. Okay. Or like keyboard anchored. Yeah. And that's, you know, they often say you can tell what, what um, instrument is meant <laughs> for you based on what you hear first when you're mm. listening to a song. Yeah. You know, like a drummer will have a proclivity to hear the drums mm. more than anything else based da 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 da. Yeah. So that's funny because I always, and I've. I've done like half-hearted attempts to teach myself yeah. with you know different levels of success, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, so I could relate to what you're saying about that. Yeah, I hear a lot of guitarists say that, and I understand how that is because I think generally speaking, the guitar is easier to fall into because it's portable. Yeah, um, I think that's a huge reason. Um, but that's difficult for me to imagine feeling that way because the piano is the last thing that I hear. I hear the drums and bass first. Okay. And I really wanted to play drums um, when I was a kid, like for marching band. Uh, but my parents, they were like, oh, that's too loud. So um, we strongly urge you to pick any other instrument kind of thing. Um, but now I play drums a little bit and I love it. And I mm-hmm. think in a different life, that would be my primary thing probably. Because um, I love upbeat like dance music mm-hmm. so much i i'm not my target audience at all <laughs> um, i but i i've literally never owned a drum set it's just purely logistical circumstantial reasons i'm a pianist mm-hmm. I got you. <laughs> so has learning an instrument mm-hmm. has it affected your songwriting um hmm Like, when I learned piano, did my... No, but that's only because I did it simultaneously. Okay. Like, my songwriting grew with my piano playing. Because um, gotcha. the way I've always written has been... Uh, like, I just come up with a chord progression, and then the melody comes naturally, and then just the words come, like, half naturally. Like, mm. I might have a hook that comes out of nowhere, but then I have to think consciously about the rest. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, if I didn't, like, before I played the piano, I couldn't write songs. It was, like, an intertwined process. Gotcha. Yeah. So, what, what is that process like for you of, I guess we'll start with, like, what sparks the idea for a song Mm -hmm. in your mind? Um, anything. Like, it. so it used to be, it, it used to be, like, once a season. For some reason, like, once a season, I would get a song that's, like, a hit. Not really a hit, but a hit for me. Like, right. yeah, like, I want to yeah. play this in public. Right. Um, and uh, it was always subconscious. Like, it would often be about not necessarily things that I was going through, especially because I was 16 when I started consistently writing songs. Mm. And to be honest, like, what is there that's that compelling and deep to write about at 16? Like, maybe something, but Mm. for me, a lot of it was witnessing things or 
seeing like the surface level presentation of things going on with other people and then filling in the blanks um like half fiction half observation um but it was self explorative in the sense that like things that you witness resonate with you for a reason Mm -hmm. um so it was like subconscious though it would always just be like it would come out and i'd be like oh i think that's about this or Mm -hmm. that or sometimes it would be like a situation in my own life had it gone differently like a rewrite it it was like a a creative thing for me more so than a directly expressive thing um but then when i did the hundred songs project it changed okay Um, what is the hundred (laughs) the hundred songs project was something that i did uh when i graduated college i was in a major existential crisis because I felt like creatively I felt like I had lost everything um because that was the first time in my life that I found a community of artists that I really resonated with um and then suddenly it had become like a diaspora I think I said that word correctly. Um, <laughs> um, Your guess is good as mine. Okay. So we'll go um, with it. Um, and uh, it had become that. And everybody was scattered. And like, and I also felt guilty about doing creative things because there was a lot of pressure. I think there's a lot of pressure on most people when they graduate college to like just stop revolving their lives around art because Mm -hmm. it can't allegedly it can't necessarily be monetized but i don't really agree with that i think it's easy to monetize if you try (laughs) (laughs) kind of um if you're it's a a different it's a different type of hard work yes you know it's not ditch digging right but it's it's hard emotional work yes yeah and it's yeah, and it also just depends, like, what what is hard for you as an individual. Because there are things that are easy for me that are very hard for other people, like, emotionally, okay. um, to withstand, like, performing. Like, a lot of people are terrified of public speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's easy for them is, like, sitting at a desk for eight hours. Right. Which I did briefly, and it was the biggest existential crisis of my life, which is how the 100 Songs Project happened. So I realized, like, I'm at a literal fork in the road. I don't know why I said literal, because it was certainly not a literal fork in the road. (laughs) Like, I am very much at a fork in the road, um, at a crossroads, where this is either the end of my having been an artist, Mm -hmm. and now I'm either on this path to be this adult who's like oh yeah back in the day I was a singer Mm -hmm. and I coulda shoulda woulda like done more with it um or this is the beginning of like an elaborate and fantastical story those Mm -hmm. are the only two options because I can only think in extremes Uh, (laughs) and so I was like I suppose this is the beginning of a fantastical story. But I also, like, was, like, kind of, like, um, logistically sort of trapped because, 
my so my degrees in communications mm-hmm. because that felt like a good idea because I was like that's very broad mm-hmm. but in reality like it's very broad so I really didn't know what to do um so I was like okay well like while I figure it out I'll just write a hundred songs in a year mm-hmm. um because then by the time the year ends, I'll be this fantastic songwriter. I'll have totally rewired my brain to be more creative than ever before. And I should have my shit together by then. Um, if I did the math right, mm-hmm. I think it'll work out. Um, so it kind of worked out that way. I So I wrote about 300 songs and I became an EDM producer um, <laughs> because... Uh, 49 songs in, Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know if I have enough topics anymore. Like, these songs, like, a lot of them are very bad. They're just lame. So I was like, hmm, well, I never said they had to have lyrics. So then I just started making EDM songs. Mm -hmm. And that's how now I have an alter, and classical and jazz a little bit. So that's how now I have this alter ego on Spotify with, like, all of that. And there's one rap song. Okay. That I made as a joke, but it's like kind of good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes those end up being the good ones. Yes, and there's actually a like a serious version on my album. Okay. It's the song "Sunshine." That's a love song about Danny DeVito because it's a, it was a pun like "Always Sunny in Philadelphia," mm-hmm. um, just as a joke. But right. like it's good. So, but um, yeah. But during the hundred songs project. Um, and since then, because it really did, I think, rewire my brain, like in terms of brain plasticity, because um, it put me in the habit of writing, where before it wasn't a habit, it was literally a once a season thing. Gotcha. Um, so during that time, I forced myself, when I was feeling things, to write about them, which I had never done before. Um, so that was when it started becoming more like direct. Um, and I remember I, I have a lot of songs that they sound like breakup and heartbreak songs, but they're actually about like the job that I had at the time because that's what I was going through. Um, So now it's like anything can inspire me. Um, sometimes indirectly, sometimes very directly. Um, but that's only been the past like few years. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So, did any of those hundred songs, um, did they, any of them make it to an album, make it to the stage? Yeah. Things like that? Song 51. Okay. <laughs> um, song 51 was the first one that was good. And it's out of reach on the album. It was one of the singles. Um, but, uh, yeah, for a long time that was called Song 51. And then... Yeah, and then all the other ones on the album, there are two from long before that, and then the rest are way more recent. Okay. So, but yeah, Song 51 is the best one from the project. Gotcha. So let's talk a little bit about the album. Yeah. Um, first of all, how did it, how did you start coming together? What was the, the original ideas that led you to put because there's a lot of thought more than people realize that go into an album yeah as if what songs go there what the the feel of the whole thing is what the flow of the whole thing is yeah all that sort of thing so talk a little bit about that yeah i think the album is probably the best example of like what we were talking about 
before we were recording about mm. um, just life being a series of mistakes and making them look intentional. Mm. Uh, because, so the album was supposed to be like an EDM pop, like Taylor Swift <laughs> sounding gotcha. thing. It's obviously not. <laughs> uh, so I just had a lot of situations with um, producers that logistically did not work out. Um, and because of that, I was like, okay, maybe, like during that time, I was performing just with the piano myself and all these people were running up to me being like, where can I listen to this? Mm -hmm. And I kept being like, you can't, but there will be a synth pop album out like ASAP. And that kept not working out. And like, but I, at the same time, I was feeling increasingly validated about the idea of just putting out an acoustic thing. Okay. Um, and I think a turning point for me with that was I was playing the Pine Ridge Fest and uh, this guy ran up to me and he gave me $50. And he was like, you should get $50 for what you just did. And I, it would be 100 if my wife let me. <laughs> and, and I was like, wow. And I was all happy. And then he asked me about an album. And I was like, oh, like it's going to be out soon, but it's probably going to sound pretty different from that. And he was like, if you just did that, like that would be great. And he seemed like, I think it was a matter of like him putting his money where his I just thought like, he gave me $50, so yeah. that's genuine. Yeah. And so then like, um, yeah, like a month later, I just like contacted my friend who like was recording in his basement. Like mm -hmm. um, he mixes things, but he doesn't master. But I was thinking like, I don't really, and this is like kind of controversial, but I was like, I don't really need mastering. Mm -hmm. Um, like it, like it's, it's just a piano and a voice. Right. Um, so why don't I just go and like do it in one take? And it was going to be an EP. Mm -hmm. So at this point I was going to put out an EP just to have something out and then still make a synth pop debut album. So I contacted my friend and I was like, let's make an acoustic EP just like so people can hear my stuff whenever they want. And so I go there and I record it and it's all good. It's done. And then I realized that like my songs are accidentally all like seven minutes long. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, even though, even though this is four songs, it's the length of an album. Yeah. <laughs> it's 28 minutes. Mm -hmm. So then I messaged him and I was like, why don't I just slap another four songs on it, make it a debut album? I got hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was like, okay. So then um, I remember the day of, um, it was a weird day because... <laughs> I had a show in New York that night, but I was an actor in Haunted House. So I had like a Haunted House rehearsal, like in Pennsylvania in the morning. And then like my friends were all playing Indie Rock Fest, like in, in between the two destinations in the okay. afternoon. And I was trying to like be social. So I was like, okay, this is perfect. I'll just like record the second half of the album right before Indie Rock Fest, right after the Haunted House. 
and then like I think when I get like in that energy of like things are happening I get hit with inspiration so then in the car like I started writing (laughs) another (laughs) song and I was like yeah like this this is a this is a way to timestamp like how I'm feeling today like I need because there's so much in the album from like years ago and I was like I need something that represents how I'm feeling right now in September 2021 Mm -hmm. um so one of the songs in the album was written the day of recording (laughs) and I just reached a point where I figured like I'm just like not gonna plan anything I'm just gonna let this album be whatever it wants to be because people like authenticity Mm -hmm. so (laughs) it's um it's absolutely not planned to the extent that like albums generally are um but but that's the planning of it it's just like everything like things that I tried to plan just kept not working out and I took Mm -hmm. it it reached a point where I took it as a sign to just wing it (laughs) yeah so that song that you wrote on the way yeah um where does so it made it to the album yeah Okay, so that that's all that you need, like, yeah. of that that spark, right. and it can it can happen anytime. Right, and then that song. <coughs> Sorry, I didn't Sorry. play. I didn't obviously didn't play beforehand. I also didn't play it after because I forgot it, <laughs> and I don't like listening to myself. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to listen to it to relearn it. So it. Just I just let it go. But then I did a vinyl project last week um, where, like, I recorded... I let people request whichever song from the album they wanted. And then I recorded a take per person. It's personalized. Like, you say mm-hmm. the name and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody requested that song. So I had to relearn it. Um, so now I guess it's, it's in the mix and I, so I, but I learned it the day of cause I procrastinated it cause I didn't want to listen to myself, gotcha. but people like, like it cause I guess, cause they asked for it on vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> right. But have you ever listened to a song of yours and I've experienced this with either a film I've done or a piece mm. of art where you do go back and listen to something that might be a year or two or more old and your experience of it presently is way different than how you either came up with it or experienced it in the moment. Yes. Toxic Phantom, the title track from the album, mm-hmm. is my favorite for that reason that I've ever written. And also, it's I can listen to that one no problem for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, when I wrote that song, I wasn't sure what it was about. It was very, very, very like I was having a waking dream and translating it. Okay. Um, and I remember it was it was winter and like I was very depressed because it was winter, uh, more or less. <laughs> and I remember afterward looking at it and thinking what is this about because I know it resonates with me 
but I'm not sure why. Very similar to like if you hear a song on the radio and you're like, oh, this is a nice, like, what does this mean? Like it was like I was, I didn't, I didn't feel like I wrote it. Right. Um, and I remember thinking that it, it was a triple meaning. Um, I think from my like subconscious perspective, I think I was mostly writing it about like, um, depression and like just mental anguish generally speaking and how like it always resurfaces but it's also a double-edged sword and like we were talking about like um kind of the uh catalyst for a lot of art and very positive in that way um but so in that sense it's kind of a toxic relationship because you it's like codependent like you need it to be what you are um and so I didn't, I don't think I wrote it about, I didn't write it directly about a, an interpersonal relationship, but I remember thinking, oh, this could apply to literally any literal toxic relationship between people. Um, and also, uh, I think it's like a metaphor for any sort of addiction. Literally any dependency that is negative and, or hurtful in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wrote that eight years ago so now like almost a decade later listening to it and having had more experiences I remember like a I remember a few years ago singing it um after so I remember singing it after I had broken up with someone Mm -hmm. and I knew like some of the people that were there and they were like, oh, we know who... I remember somebody saying, like, we know who this is about. And mm. I remember thinking, that's very interesting because it's not at all. Like, this is way older than that relationship. Mm-hmm. But I understand why they think that because it fits perfectly. Cause, yeah. Yeah. And I remember, like, thinking about that relationship while I was playing it and feeling like I had written it about that even though I didn't. Right. So that song, it's just like it, it it always applies but it always applies to something different yeah and i think that that's a sign of what is of a good song and good yeah. songwriting is that it can continue to live yes you know yeah. and, and be a little timeless yeah and evolve so your own writing evolved with you yeah but even in the minds of others yeah right I, yeah, I call that song My Purple Rain, because, like, how, per- yeah, like, as of now, and I hope, I hope I have another Purple Rain, like, because I'd be sad if, like, that's the best, because, like, oh, yeah, like, I'd be sad if just years go by, and, like, for the rest of my life, my favorite song that I've ever written is, like, the first one that I mm. ever wrote, um, but yeah, as of now, like that's my purple rain. Mm-hmm. Like like how that song just never got old for Prince. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. So like what what would you say like if um the vibe or the feel of, of Toxic Phantom is? Ambient. Okay. Which is funny because I do not like ambient music. <laughs> like okay. um I for a while, I was calling my genre... Because I think Toxic Phantom is defining of my genre. Um, for a while, I was calling that vibe uh, goth pop. Okay. Uh, uh, 
but it's also like there's a part of me that wants that to be a jazz standard someday so the right. the other day somebody asked me what my genre is um because i i like to walk up to strangers and be like i'm gonna be famous in three weeks help me become famous listen to my album um <laughs> and, um and, and so i was doing that and um somebody asked me what my genre is and i said today i'm gonna tell you that it's gothic neo soul but ask me next week and like I won't say that. I'll say something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I would say the vibe is. All of those descriptions okay. combined. Well, no, no, being familiar with those genres, yeah. I, I can see that. I can tell Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, like, I'm kind of like right now accidentally in a neo-soul band. Okay. Um, I, like, yeah, just everything in my life is an accident. Like, it, that's, yeah. Um... I have said before, like, when I write, like, when I am famous and I write um, an autobiography, it's probably going to be called Showing Up Uninvited because, like, everywhere that I've ever been in my life, I have been there uninvited. Everything that's ever happened, I've been uninvited. Like, I just stumble into things. Mm -hmm. Like, including this neo-soul band. Um, (laughs) so, So, I was just like... On the sidewalk. Right. <laughs> For context, I was outside of a mic that I had just played at. And okay. these people had also played at it. Okay. Um, so it wasn't a random sidewalk. No, it's <laughs> never random. I just enjoy... <laughs> I just get enjoyment from describing things in the most, like, um, absurd way possible. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> Good for the show. <laughs> right, exactly. It, like, I do it subconsciously, but then when people, like, really ask me about the details of things, I'm like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I think subconsciously. I, I was adding a little bit of embellishment <laughs> for fun. <laughs> That's part of being an artist. Right. That's part of being an artist. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like, I am I became friends with this band, mm-hmm. and they'd formed recently, and they were like, we could use a pianist and a singer. They have a singer, but now we, like, sing together. Um, and, <clears throat> like, um, I don't think of myself as that genre but whenever I collaborate with people who are that genre it becomes undeniably evident that I kind of am Mm -hmm. yeah no I think that now musically we're in a time when the best stuff that's coming out Mm -hmm. is the combination of genres yeah yeah. Because we've sort of, we've, we've hit, you know, we, however far back you want to go, we've hit a lot of bases musically mm. as a people. Yeah. And most of the new artists that I'm interested in now mm. are ones that don't really fit one particular genre. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me to hear two things that I might not have thought to put together. Yeah. And put them together. Mm-hmm. And it could be so, like... The two things could possibly be things I would not listen to by themselves. But you hear them combined, and it's just... Sometimes even the fact that it's just different is enough to spark my interest and give it a chance. Yeah. And then you like it, you don't like it, you go from there. Yeah. But that's cool, the the combining of genres. So, yeah, 
Like, I would lean into the gothic neo soul yeah. deal <laughs> if it works for you. Yeah, yeah. The gothic thing is interesting um, to navigate as a marketing strategy because it's a part time situation. Like, okay. so I like, so I feel like in the whole conversation of genres, this is very relevant. Um, I basically like. I start I started making music like because I couldn't help it but I started making music in the fashion that I started in primarily because of my chemical romance okay. yeah like th- when I heard welcome to the black parade I was 11 and that was the first time that I felt my favorite feeling okay yeah um, that's the best way I can describe it. The, the, there's a feeling that is the reason I make art and it is the feeling that I felt when I heard that song. Um, and so I just, for years, I just revolved my self-concept around this idea that I would emulate Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just thought that I was going to be this pop punk rock star um like i was very 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 into like simple plan and good charlotte paramore um and then when i was so i was in a pop punk band in high school and then uh when i was in college i was in a pop punk band that had so many members of different styles that it became a metal band okay. <laughs> um, and it was weird because I was on the piano in a metal band but it was a synthesizer so I just changed, changed the settings and played the bass part um, and then I, t- I turned my house into a like a metal venue basically okay. <laughs> like, um, which went very well and then went very badly because um, one of my roommates was a business major, and like there were holes kicked in the ceiling, there were furnaces moshed into. Right. Had to. <laughs> like, I was very upset at the time. Now it's metal like, stuff was happening. Yes. <laughs> yes. And like now it's fun. It's my favorite like party story to tell. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I was devastated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. Um, but I wasn't really known for my talent back then. Not that I was seen as not having it. It was just, that wasn't the selling point. The selling point was that I act crazy and jump around on stage. Stage, it's a basement. Right. Um, because that's that's fun. And mm. so my, and I, I also think that, I think that was when I realized that part of my marketing is the fact that I come off dark and spooky, um, but I'm like anything but that, and that surprises people um, because it's an unexpected juxtaposition. And I think right. that my marketing is in the fact that I don't match myself. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but um, that. And, like, yeah, like, just logistically, like, it was not sustainable. And also, like, being in college, I 
was playing music with a lot of people that didn't want to do it professionally. Um, so I kind of like got forced in, over time into being solo if I wanted to do it as something more than a hobby. And so that was how I just like fell into like my sound that I have now. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, the goth thing, like, it's like, I never like wanted to be like goth or emo or anything like that. I never thought of myself that way. I just always have gravitated toward that, like extremely and accidentally kind of embodied it. Mm -hmm. Um, but because it's not intentional, I have like days or weeks or whatever, where I'm just not that at all. It's just like, it just comes very naturally to me to like do that sometimes and okay. not all the time. Um, so, but on those days, like I'll like show up not looking emo and then playing like Adele covers. Okay. And then if people follow you on Instagram and your bio is like goth pop, they're like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And so that is a weird thing to navigate because I could box myself into like, I'm officially goth. I'm going to dress goth intentionally every time I perform. Right. Um, but that's disingenuous. Yeah. So, yeah. I forget what the original question was, but I think I answered it. You did. You got it. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. Don't forget, you can find out more on what Casey is up to on Instagram at Casey Ranero. And Casey has a bunch of different shows coming up. First of all, Sunday, May 8th at 7 p.m. at The Fire in Philadelphia. Wednesday, May 11th, Visual Arts Showcase at Lacedia Center in the East Village. That's at 8 p.m. Friday, May 13th at 7 p.m., the Sankofa House in Philadelphia, Saturday, May 14th, Flemington DIY Grand Reopening Makers Market from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. in Flemington, New Jersey, Friday, May 20th, Casey will be joining the Rage Tones on tour at the Pharmacy in Philadelphia, Saturday, May 21st, Casey will be performing at Vibes and Verses Showcase from 5 to 10 in Trenton, New Jersey. And finally, Tuesday, May 24th, she will be joining the Rage Tones again on tour at Club Odyssey in Winnetta, New York. You can catch Casey at all those places coming up. And you can find out more of what I'm up to on Instagram at Albert Shivers and www.albertshivers.com. You can find more episodes of the podcast on all major podcast platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to like and subscribe. All these numbers, it's all a numbers game with Al Gore's Rhythm. It's all a numbers game. Likes and subscribes really do help out and help elevate the show. Not just for me, but for all the guests and the people who are on it. To help get them out there, help spread everybody all around. Spread the love like butter. Until next time. Take care of yourself and take care of somebody else.